Give me what this words to express what's on my heart. <laughs> Jay, you know this, and you studiers know this. You start out in a, in a direction. And you see, you think where you're going. A few days later, you're over here. You say, how did I get over here? About a month ago, I said, Jay, I got a message I'd like to preach in a blessing series. The blessings of hardships. And you know, the first scripture that came to my mind was James 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials. For the testing of your faith produces patience. I said, yeah. And then as I looked into this a little more deeply, uh, if that's true, why don't I count it all joy sometimes? Why not? There must be another level of depth in there that I'm missing. And God took me to another level of depth looking at blessing and hardships a little differently. Because people, we don't want to look at blessings and hardships the way the world does. We want to look at those words through the eyes of the kingdom of God. But oh, how quickly we fall into the pattern of our own thinking and the world system, looking at blessings, what we think are blessings. And if we don't have them, there's something wrong or there's something wrong with us. And then resenting the hardships we have to go through to get those blessings. I thought there must be another level. And I was sent to Philippians chapter 3. Paul is talking to the church in Philippi and other Christians. He's telling them about his life and what he considers blessing and hardships. In verse 7 it says, What things were gain to me. What things were gain to me. What things are my blessings. Bless me. Are a blessing to my life. Is all gain a blessing? And then he talks about, I counted these as loss for loss. Is all loss a hardship? In the world, that might be true, people. But it's not true in the kingdom of God. What things were gained to me? Now, if you will just lift your eyes up to verse 3. Paul talks about the things that were blessings in his life. That added to his life. Verse 3, for we, he's talking to Christians, we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence or trust in the flesh. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. He's talking to people who are looking at worldly blessings. And thinking of them as all the blessings there are. So he goes on here to list some of these blessings or gains that people look at in their life. Chapter, uh, verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day. 
This is the law of Israel. Paul followed the law to the T. Everything, every celebration, everything in the church, he followed exactly. The law. So if you follow the law, you're blessed. Circumcised the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. This is lineage. He had a perfect lineage to be blessed. He was he could be more blessed than anybody in society in those days because he was of the perfect family. Law, lineage. Concerning the law, a Pharisee. This is learning. Gamaliel, the, one of the greatest teachers of the day, was his mentor. And Paul followed him exclusively to the T. Everything that Gamaliel taught Paul learned and made it part of his life. This was a gain to Paul. So we got law, lineage, learning. Verse 6, concerning zeal, prosecuting the church. He took the law, the lineage, and his learning, and it gave him a license to do whatever he wanted. Nobody in society could tell him he was wrong. He persecuted especially those people who didn't agree with him. And especially those people who didn't agree with him who were trying, he thought, to raise themselves above the law of Israel. The law, the lineage, the learning, the license. Then, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. This is liturgy. It's not the capital L liturgy of the, uh, the sanctuary services. It was a small liturgy of his life. There were certain prescribed schedules, activities, behavior, and he was a liturgical Jew. So all of these things, law, lineage, learning, license, liturgy, was his gain. And there's one L word that covers them all. Legalism. (laughs) Paul knew that the more he did that was right, the better off he was in society. The better off he was with God. But it was all legalism. Doing something to gain something. This is the world's view of gain. Doing something to gain something in the culture you live in. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss. The word counted means thoughts that you have that rule you. Your thinking sends you to a certain place and you go there in your thinking and that leads to your behavior. You follow your thoughts to the logical end and let nothing deter you. This is what you, when you count or you consider something. But these I have counted loss. All of these things, law, lineage, learning, license, liturgy, legalism, all of these things that Paul thought was gain in his life, he takes the opposite viewpoint 
turns things on their head, and his priorities change 180 degrees. These things that I thought were adding to my life, I now consider these nothing, dead, lost. There's two words after that. For Christ is not lost for nothing. It's not lost for something I conjured up. I read in a book. I figured out. Gamaliel told me. No, it's a loss for Christ. But indeed, I count all things loss. What are all things? Well, you don't have to turn there. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 11 Paul is talking to some of the teachers in Israel. They thought they were great teachers because they had a great testimony. How do you get a good testimony? Go through hard times. And you have a great testimony. The greater the hard times, the greater the testimony. So they would brag about their testimony. And then in verse 21, Paul says, In whatever whatever anyone else is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false false brethren, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often. He's saying, look at my credentials. I should be listened to more than anybody according to the way these other people are thinking. But this also is part of what Paul says, I count all things as loss. For Christ. I count all things as lost for the excellence of knowing the knowledge of Christ Jesus. So on one side of the ledger, we've got Paul's life. Everything. And on the other side, we got Jesus. The knowledge of Jesus. Not just a person who's off there someplace doing something. The knowledge of Jesus. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as excrement, the word means, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness which is from the law, those L words, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. Know. The word is part of a Hebrew phrase that means sexual intimacy. That's how deeply we're supposed to know Christ. I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. What were the sufferings of Jesus? 
And I'm telling you this morning, the suffering was not being beat up. It was not being hurled insults by people. That wasn't the suffering that he considered suffering at all. Remember, Jesus was fully God and fully man. We often think of him as fully God with walking around six inches off the ground. You know, I'm God. I'm God. His feet touched the ground. They needed to be washed. He was fully man. But in order for him to do, to have the biggest blessing that he could ever have, which is please his Father in heaven, he had to let go of his man, manhood understanding and press into his father. Remember, he was in heaven. He gave up all his royalty to come to earth. And now on earth, he had to give up all his manhood in order to connect with God. He gave up everything to please his father. Hardship. What is hardship in the kingdom of God? Giving up what is dearest. Giving up what is dearest for the knowledge. The blessing is the knowledge of Jesus. Just like Jesus gave up everything that was dear to him for the knowledge of his Father. We're followers of Jesus. This is what we're supposed to do. So now we trade all of these L's, law, lineage, learning, license, liturgy, legalism, life, for one L. Lord, forget the other L's. We got one L. Well, what's our hardship? What is our hardship then if we have the Lord? People, to get to the Lord and stay with the Lord, we've got to die. Die to ourself. This is what Jesus did. What do you think he was praying about up in the mountains all those times? He had to pray himself into hardship, into suffering, which was giving up everything so he could hear what his father had to say and then speak that. He had to get rid of everything of the earth that was on him or in him and concentrate on his father. That's hard to do for a person. No wonder it took him so long to pray up in the hills all night, so often. And this sent Jesus to the cross. We think of the cross as the greatest hardship. Well, I... I see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Whoa! He sweat blood out of his pores. Why? He was in his final, the final part of giving up himself to please his Father. Now, I, he probably doesn't expect us to sweat great drops of blood, but it's still not easy for us to give up everything for Christ. 
Jesus did not go to the cross so that we would not have to. He went to the cross so that we could. He made it possible for us to go to the cross of our life and die there. And in that death, gain Jesus himself. We just sang a song, The Heart of Worship. What's worship? Dying. It's the ultimate worship. But we only have to die this once. See, we've already entered into eternal life. We don't have to wait until our physical body's dead. We already enter in. We die to self, and in so doing, we enter into Jesus, that eternal life that he has for us. All the blessings of eternal life are now. I haven't even mentioned curses. And I'll tell you what, I don't want to because I don't care. I'll tell you why. The scripture says, an undeserved curse does not rest. When we live in death to, to ourselves and in life to the Lord, we don't have to worry about curses. They are not ours. They can't, I can't wake up in the morning and go, oh, that's a curse on me. Help, Jenny, pray quick. No. No. Oh, I could call down curses on myself if I felt like it. You know a lot of the statements you hear, even in church. People cursing themselves, their family. Why would we do that? But in order not to do that, we've got to see things through the kingdom view of death to ourself and then receiving all the blessings of God. Does that mean we'll never go through any type of suffering on this earth? Of course not. We live in a fallen world. But when we die to self and live to Christ, we see blessings and cursings and hardships from a totally different viewpoint. A totally different, they mean something totally different. And I'll tell you what, this speaks to the world. They'll look at you and think you're nuts. They have no clue, no understanding of what you're talking about. So all we can do is live it. Just live it and the Holy Spirit will draw people to the truth. Last week at the end of the message, Jay asked you a question. What's going on in your life that could be a blessing in disguise? Blessings in disguise. They're disguised because we haven't died to ourselves yet. How can that be a blessing? How can that be a suffering? How can, how can, how can? When we live in Christ, we see things totally differently. Those things we thought were blessings, some of them aren't even blessings in the long run because they have a different view in the kingdom than they do in the world. Some of the hardships we face. I mean, people, five years ago, I never thought I'd be preaching a message like this. The hardships of the world take on a totally different meaning 
when you have died to yourself and we are living for Jesus. So I got a question for you. So why aren't we dead already? So let's die already. Get it over with. Don't draw it out. Because when we're in the middle, we're half seeing this and half seeing this and we get confused. Because it doesn't make sense. We've got to hang on to the truth for dear life. And I mean that. Hang on to the truth for dear life knowing that Jesus will be faithful to minister to us in our sufferings. The main suffering being giving up our own thoughts and ideas to the Lord so that he can direct it in the right way. It's not easy. When you do this, you begin hearing people speak, especially in the world, but even in the church. And some of the things they say, in the back of your mind, you go, what? That's not God. I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying, this is what we do, how easily we fall into the worldly view of blessing and hardships. We don't want to do that anymore. No. So, we have one hardship. That's it. Only one on the list. If we treat that hardship in the right way, everything else changes. So what's the hardship? Die to ourself. What does that look like? What does it look like when somebody tells you to die to yourself? I can't tell you that. God, God can tell you because it's different for each person. I will tell you this, I believe everybody's holding on to something. But you know, when we hold on to our life, we lose it. It's only in letting go that we gain it. That's the true gain. Not this other stuff. We do, I'll say this, I guess I've got to give a caveat, I really shouldn't, I guess. We do live in the world. So all of this world stuff's going to come crashing onto us and the enemy's going to try to get us to think about and believe lots of stuff that has nothing to do with dying to ourselves. So how do you go about it? What does it really look like? You get in your closet with God. God will take care of it. If your heart is to die to yourself, God's going to make it happen. It might not look like you think it looks and we're going to find out some meanings of words we had no clue about. So what are the blessings of hardship? I've got to change the title now. What is the blessing of the one and only hardship we have to go through? The hardship is die to ourself, count all things as lost for Christ, and gain Him. Period. Gain Him. The person of Jesus, not the stories about Jesus, not the Bible. I'm not speaking against the Bible, believe me. But the Bible isn't it. Jesus is it. This just tells about Jesus. Personal relationship with Jesus. I told my daughter she left early. I would use her as an object lesson. No, she's got to go pick up her daughter. So here's my ending. Amen.
What does all this mean? You go find out. (laughs) Just like me. Because this isn't where I thought I was going to end up either. Okay? Let me pray for us right now. Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you you have spoken. When you speak, things happen. Your spirit is at work. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, do your work in us. And if there's anything that we need to know, Holy Spirit, you tell us. We're going to believe it's you, even if it is a little different than we've heard before. I do lift up every person here, and I pray for us that we'd be able to die to ourselves in another level this coming week, in a new way, so that we can know you, Jesus, better than we ever have. Our greatest blessing, our greatest blessing, the only blessing I want, because I know everything else will flow out of that. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.